Amen. All right. Uh, I did not choose this title uh, to tick anybody off, okay? I didn't choose this title, you know, to, 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 to say, you know, argue with the people that say Jesus is the reason for the season. I didn't choose it for that reason. Uh, I, I did, however, this past week, I was buying a little gift, and, and they all had a little something written on them, and one of them said Jesus is the reason for the season. And I, I skipped that one because... I knew I was preaching. I didn't want somebody to think I was conflicted in my thoughts here, you know, even though I don't. I, I, I didn't choose it, you know, to, to just kind of stir things up or to be controversial. If I'd wanted to be controversial today, I'd have worn a Duck Dynasty t-shirt up here, you know. Uh, but I, it wasn't just to be controversial. It wasn't that, you know, I, I'm, it's not that I want to, you know, get everybody to change their bumper stickers out. You know, you got bumper stickers that Jesus is the reason for the season. Go ahead, use it. I'm going to say it. I might not say it today, but I'm going to say that. I mean, yeah, I I, I get what it means. I understand what it means. And I'm behind what it means because this world needs to be reminded that, hey, it's not about Santa Claus and Christmas gifts. That's not what it's about. You know, they got Santa Claus up there. That's an old, old picture of Santa Claus. Let me, let me just remind you this. That's why we picked this picture. is because this is actually St. Nicholas, uh, an artistic rendering. This is uh, of St. Nicholas. And Santa Claus, uh, actually the tradition goes way back, and, and the things that we, we do in, here in the States and in other countries too, goes back to St. Nicholas, a, a saint who gave and used to do special things and would leave coins in kids' shoes that were left out for him. He, he would do that kind of a thing. And so that's where this tradition comes from, from a, a saint, a person who believed in Jesus Christ. So see, even these kinds of things, they, they harken back, or even giving gifts and presents. They remind us about the greatest gift that was ever given. So, you know, and I could do you an entire sermon today on the traditions and the things that we do around Christmas that the world doesn't know that are tied to Jesus Christ and what Christmas is really all about. I could, give you an, I could preach you an entire sermon on that because it is. But I just want you to see this, that just, that's not what it's about. I agree with you, I agree with you, but, it, but it's even deeper than Jesus is the reason for the season. Why? Because think about, it, what is this season? This is the season that we remember Christ coming to this earth, Right? So to say Jesus is the reason for the season is to say Jesus is the reason Jesus came. See, that doesn't make sense, does it? Jesus isn't the reason Jesus came. And that's what the season, how it got started was that Jesus came. That's what we're remembering today. So Jesus isn't the reason really for the season. But I understand that we're going to keep I'm going to say it, okay? We're going to keep saying that. Don't anybody get upset with me. We're going to keep saying that. But it's deeper than that. It's, it's so much deeper than that. Uh, last week, I, I preached from Luke chapters 1 and 2 and Matthew's chapter 1 and 2 and, and uh, you know, told you, well, the Christmas story, right? I mean, that's where it's found. Those four chapters tell us just about everything we know, you know, the big majority of everything we know about the, Chris, uh, the Christmas story. Those uh, days, weeks, months leading up to Christmas and the days following after. But that's not where it begins. Christmas, the Christmas story, begins... Way back beyond that. And I think the scripture to take you to is probably the most basic scripture of all. It's one that probably many of you could quote if I just yelled out the reference. You could probably just quote it to us. But John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him 
would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is not the reason for the season. You are. His love for you is why there was a baby born in a stable and put in a manger. Because he loved you. And so you know what? When, when You ever get overwhelmed a little bit by Christmas? Okay, all of you who work in retail, I know you want to raise your hand right now, right? Because whenever you, you realize that you're the reason behind all this. All this stuff got started because of you. Because God loved you so much, he gave his son, born in that stable, laid in a manger, and, and now oh, Santa Claus that we had up there, the gifts and the Christmas tree, all of that is just because of you. So, you know, from now on, every time you hear rump-a-pum-pum, you say, hey, that's because of me. You know? <laughs> every time you see Santa Claus, you know, standing on a corner or holding a couple of kids in his lap and say, what do you want for Christmas? Hey, that's because this all got started because of me, the gifts that are given, everything. And, and when you receive your gifts, then remember that the whole thing got started because of the greatest gift that he gave because of his love for you. And now you're getting another gift again this Christmas. And man, we get Christmas uh, gifts more than just Christmas time. We get them all year long from God. Little gifts every day, all the time. All the, and, and, and why? How did it start? Because of that first one that was given. Because of the first gift. And so definitely from now on when you give a gift, remember this. Think about the reason that you give Christmas gifts this year is because God loved you first and gave you the greatest gift. So everything, all of this, every bit of this is all about you. Jesus, I know the, the world needs to hear that. Yeah, Jesus, 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 it, it's the reason. But you are really the reason this whole season got started. So, and, and, and we forget that. You are the reason. I, and I want, you, I want you to be, I want, you know, my prayer really was, God amaze our people again today. Amaze us again today. You, you did all this and all this. So whatever's gotten out of hand, it's, it's because of God's awesome love for you. You know, and, and, and we just kind of forget and lose. And I want to take you to another little point that I want to make here also about some stuff. Another thing that we misunderstand is sin. Yeah, Jesus came because of sin. He came because of your sin, my sin. He came because of that. But we so misunderstand God's attitude towards sin. I, I, I want to I spend a little time here talking to you this morning about sin, okay? We so misunderstand God's attitude towards sin. Let me tell you a few things. First thing is, God hates sin. Okay, now that's a duh statement, right? You know, like, we knew that, Pastor. God hates sin. Exactly. But, but we don't understand exactly what that means, that God hates sin because we think God just hates sin because he's a holy God and he just can't stand it and it just, it just insults his glory and all that. Yeah, 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 but that's not really why God hates sin. You know why God hates sin? Because God knows sin destroys. That's why he hates it. It destroys everything it touches. It destroys lives. It destroys marriages. It destroys finances. It destroys futures. And it doesn't just destroy the stuff around you. It'll destroy you. And that's why God hates it. He hates it because it destroys stuff. See, we got this uh, four-year-old attitude of sin, a three-year-old attitude. I guess I need to say three. We got a three-year-old grandson, so I can say three-year-old. We got this three-year-old attitude of sin. I mean, so he climbs up on the back of the, uh, of the chair, the big overstuffed chair in our living room. You know, he climbs up and sits on top of that. And we're like, get down, Colin. And his three-year-old attitude is like, Pop doesn't want me to have any fun, right? And we get that same attitude with God about sin. You know, God says, don't do that. So God doesn't want me to have any fun. That's not the reason. As I know, Colin fall off, you know, break something, and we got to go to the hospital, and he's got to go through all the pain, all of this. And God's the same way. He looks at us, and he says, I don't want sin in your life, 
Because I know it destroys. For example, let's just take a sin, okay? Let's take the sin of drunkenness. Is, drunk, is being drunk right? Oh, yeah. You mean show you the, I'll show you the scriptures, okay? Whole nother uh, sermon, okay? But yeah, being drunk, yeah, that's the sin. You're not supposed to get drunk. And here's the reason. It's not because God doesn't want you to, you know, just doesn't want you to have a good time. But tell me, what good comes from being drunk? Anybody ever gotten a job because you were drunk? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody ever gotten a raise because you were drunk? Anybody ever had an opportunity to go in for an interview and say, man, I'm glad I was drunk today because I blew them away with it. Did you ever? Nobody ever. Anybody ever ace a final exam because you were drunk? No, you might have aced one in spite of being drunk, but you never aced one because you were drunk. See, being drunk, you know, there, there are a lot of other sins I could have used. But that's one that's like, you know, it's kind of hard to hide the stuff that happens with being drunk. We try to do that with a lot of our sins, don't we? Say, well, you know, it really doesn't matter. I'm not hurting anybody else but myself, and I'm not really hurting myself. There's no harm in this. But with being drunk, we kind of really say, yeah, there, there's not any good that comes. That's what sin is. There's no good. There is no good whatsoever in sin. You might say it's not inf- impacting anybody but, you, but yourself, and it's not even hurting you. You might say that, but, but it's not true. Sin always leaves destruction in its path. It always does. And that's why God hates sin. But the number one thing that it destroys, that he hates more than anything, is it destroys your relationship with him. That's why he hates it. He hates the fact that you're going to get hurt. He hates the fact that your future is going to be a mess. He hates the fact that your finances are going to, because of sin. But more than anything, he hates it. It destroys your relationship with him. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2 just blows this one away right here. I mean, it it, it states it perfectly. But your iniquities, your sins, you have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. When you commit sin, all of a sudden, you're no longer face to face with him. When you turn from his way, you turn to your own way or you turn to a wicked way, you're no longer face to face. And and some, some versions of the Bible, some people have translated this to say, so God will not hear you. But I, 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 I see it more as this. It's like, it's not that God will not, or God doesn't want to. It's the fact that we were face to face and then I decided to go my own way. And now I'm not face to face with him anymore. And so when I cry out to him, I'm no longer crying out to the God that I'm in relationship with. I'm crying out, I got problems, and and God can't hear me. You know, you cannot turn your face and your ear away from him without getting farther away from his face and his ear. Sin destroys your relationship, and that's why God hates sin. But understand this. Understand this. It's not about your past. Even in sin, even the sin part, even the sin part of, of, of what God is trying to do through Christmas is not about the past. Now, we love dwelling on the past. I mean, we do. I mean, most, most of us, we kind of, we wallow in our past and our mistakes, especially when somebody does something against us, right? You know, we, we wallow in it, you know. Now, some people are worse than others, and y'all, those of you like that, you need to get off Facebook, okay? Just get away from it. Quit telling us about all the stuff that's been done wrong to you and all the bad and all that, you know. You just need to get, all, get over it. Let God help you with that. But we, we all kind of do that, and we wallow. Can, can I tell you something? God does not dwell on your past. He is already existing in your future. He doesn't dwell on Do you read the scriptures? 
I mean, when God talks about sin, I mean, he's talking about you living presently in sin. He never points back and says, you know, to, to his people that have returned to him. He never points back and says, yeah, but you remember back? No, God doesn't do that. That's not who God is. God's not pointing backwards and talking to you about sin. You know what he's done with your sin? If, if, you, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, we, we say it's, we kind of use the term, under the blood. What he does is he takes the blood that Jesus shed from Calvary and he washes our sin away. He covers our sin. It's all under the blood. And so that's how God deals with our sin. Our past is back here under the blood. He doesn't see it anymore. And you know what? He don't really want to talk about it anymore. You know, it's just like, you know, God can say, you still talking about that? God's not about your yesterday. He's about your tomorrow. Because that same blood that washed away your sin of yesterday is already at work in your future, making for an awesome, great future. That's what God, so God wants, quit, quit looking back and start looking forward. Stop, stop reminding, because man, I, I deal with you guys so much on it. I mean, you, you, can't get, you can't get into your tomorrow because you're still looking at yesterday and, oh man, how bad I am and how horrible I am and, and all of it. It's not about your past. So let's, let's, let's get rid of all this up here. You're the reason, but it's not your sin. It's your future. Okay? God's not, he's already handled, he's already handled your sin. It's under the blood. He's ready to deal with your future. And around here, you've probably heard Jeremiah 29, 11, haven't you? You heard that one? For I know the plans, God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Okay, you got to get the context of this to really understand it. Because it kind of sounds a little weird just to start right there. For I know the plans I have for you. What's God saying? God is saying something. If you don't get the context of this, where God's coming from, you miss it. Okay, I want you to get this this morning. You see, the Israelites are a lot like us, the way we look at our sin. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so evil. I've done so many wrong things. God can never forgive me, and I'll never you know, do anything awesome for God, and I can never be used by him, and I'll never have his blessing. And I'm like, oh, woe is me, looking back at our past, looking back at our past. That's what the Israelites were. And so then God, you know, he, he's talking to them. You can, you can back up and you can look in previous verses before this and see, and now God starts talking to them, and he gets down to verse 11, and here's what he says. He says, don't tell me how I feel about you. Now, those of you who have kids, you ever had a kid tell you how you feel about them? And you want to say, and maybe you did say, don't tell me how I feel about you. I love you. Don't tell me I hate you. Don't, you ever had a kid, you know, one of your children tell you you hate them or something? That's what God's saying. God said, don't tell me how I feel about you. God, you know, that's what he's saying right here. He says, I, I, you don't tell me how I gave my son for you. I gave my son. He died for you. He shed his blood. Don't tell me how I feel. I know how I feel about you. Okay, and I've given God a little attitude here. We're talking about this. But I want you to get the understanding here. This is what God is saying. Don't tell me how I feel. I know how I feel about you, and I don't have a plan to destroy you. I don't have a plan to hurt you. My plan, to help, my plan for you and your future is to give you a hope and to give you a future. That's how I feel about it. That's what God is saying here. He said, quit Quit thinking. I'm not even thinking about that. Anymore. I'm thinking about tomorrow. You're still talking about yesterday. God says, I'm, still I'm, I'm already talking about tomorrow. What are we going to do tomorrow? I'm talking about a hope and a future. Don't tell me. So, so this morning, realize, realize that this baby didn't come. This, this Christ child didn't come because 2,000 years ago, something, something, something. Or 
five days ago you committed some great sin and he knew about it 2,000 years ago. Or, 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 or five years ago, or five or ten years ago, or whatever. That's not why. But he came to separate you from that and to give you a great future. This whole thing is about you. It's about you and your future. But you know how we see the future. Something like, maybe like this. Just all jumbled up, all of the wants and needs and fears and worries and anxieties. Not getting any amens here, right? Yeah, but that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Fear of rejection. Death. Oh, wow. Confusion. Self-image. Wish we had a better self-image. Anybody need to lose some weight? That's a, this is the wrong time of year to be talking about that kind of thing, though, isn't it? I mean, don't even talk about it. Next week, pastor, preach about it next week, right? Next week. Yeah, but we all, you know, our self-image, oh, I wish I, w- I wish I just felt better about myself. Loneliness, danger. Last, last night, um, if, if you don't know, our, our uh, daughter Kristen and her husband Brad, you know, they sold their house and they've moved in with us. And, and uh, so last night, I think it was sometime after 9 o'clock, he was getting out of the shower up on the top floor. And I'm getting into the shower on the bottom floor. And David comes running to the door and knocking and says, Rick, 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 somebody is ringing the doorbell. Okay. <laughs> but I know in her mind, see, uh, you know, we've been married quite a few years now, and I know in her mind, there is a hooded, masked man standing on our porch ringing the doorbell. Rick, somebody's ringing the doorbell. I didn't know they rang the doorbell. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> masked men, I didn't know they rang the doorbells when they came to your house. So, and so I'm thinking, okay, I'll, I'll hurry up, get dressed again, and and I'm thinking, man, by the time I do all that, he's going to be gone, whoever it is. And I, I said, see if Kristen can at least look outside and see a car or something, figure out who it is. And it ended up Bradley was able to get to the door and everything. And I forgot, I told this in the second service, and I forgot to tell everybody what the guy was there for. So uh, let me tell you what he was there for because somebody said, what was he there for? Who was it? And I'd left the lights on in my car. So uh, that's what it was. But, you know, I, I'm kind of really getting down on Dave about, you know, just, just worry, worry, worry. Y'all ever lay awake at night worrying about stuff that ain't happened yet? We don't normally worry about stuff that's already happened, do we? We worry about stuff that might happen. Isn't that crazy? So I'm really getting down on David because, you know, well, that's, that's one of David's defining characteristics. I mean, you know, she'll, she'll tell you that, you know, is worrying about stuff ain't happened yet. So I'm really getting down on David. But when she walked away from the door, uh, I, could, I couldn't get her attention anymore. You know, showers running and everything, so she couldn't hear me. I'm, I'm saying, hey, well, who was it? Who was it? No, you know, nobody's paying attention to me. They're checking on what's going on at the door. And then it starts happening in my head. You see, the only times I've ever knocked on anybody's door after 9 o'clock, most times it's later than that even, is to tell somebody that a family member's just been killed in a car accident or someone was just rushed to the hospital they didn't make it. And so, I was getting on David, but it started getting on me, too. And started thinking, and then it hit me, oh, man, I, I just watched 9 o'clock news. They said that there was an accident on Highway 31 there at Mary Buckaloo. I was like, oh, wow. Come on, don't look at me like that. It happens to you, too, doesn't it? And the fears, the danger of what might happen. I don't know how to handle it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And man, I'm trying to, I'm, I am hurrying. You know, I'm, I got to go find out who this was at the door. The fears and the dangers that are there. The things we want out of life. Uh, success. Happiness. 
peace, some direction, enjoy accomplishment. Accomplishment and success are not the same thing. Just, just a sense of getting something done in my life, just accomplishing something, appreciation. There are some people that just, more than anything, if they just had someone appreciate the fact that they exist, just someone acknowledge that they are there, that they're important, important enough just to stop long enough and shake their hand, put an arm around their shoulder and wish them a Merry Christmas. Yeah, I know some of these don't affect you. You could cross out two or three at least, and, but we'd probably have to add some other words for you, wouldn't we? We all have these. This is what future looks like in a lot of our minds, almost every one of us, our minds. It's because we've got all these worries, we've got all these fears, we have all these anxieties, we have all these things that we need to want and, and, and so strongly have to accomplish. And we don't know how. That's why the baby came. Because you needed him. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I like how the NIV does this. See that comma up there? I don't know about you, but when I was in elementary school, you know, when we were reading, we were just focusing on trying to make the words sound like words, you know. We weren't paying attention to the punctuation or anything. And I remember the teacher stopping and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, there's a comma there, pause. Oh, I like that. Remember two weeks ago what I was telling you about reasoning our faith, how we drill down into those scriptures and we reason with God and say, God, now come on, let, tell me some things about it. I like that. Jesus said, I am the way, comma, pause. Hold up here just a minute. Take some time to think about it. Drill down and reason your faith out here for just a moment. Because all those words that were under that scripture, all those words that are there, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I, Pastor, I need some direction. I need some guy. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand how I'm going to make this work anymore. I do not see. This is where I want to get to. This is where I am. I don't see a path to get there. And Jesus says, I am the way. He doesn't say, I know a way. He doesn't say, I know a path. He doesn't say, I've got a plan. That's not what he says. He said, I am the way. God, look at this. Amazing. He says, I am the way. And, and when you've accepted him as your savior and you're in covenant relationship with him, you're in relationship with not somebody who's got a plan. He is the plan. He says, I am the way, comma. Pause there for a moment. Who needs that? Pause there. Go ahead. Who needs that? He's your way. And I am the truth. I like and. I like that. I, and I am the truth. You need some truth in your life. I needed some truth last night when I was thinking about all those things about who's on, you know, knocking on the door, you know, tell me something bad's happened to somebody I love. I didn't need confusion or doubt. I needed some truth. You need some truth? In the middle of all the, or somebody said something or told something about you that's not true? You need some truth? Uh, maybe somebody said something that caused you to lose a job or you didn't get the job or you didn't get a promotion or raise or something, and you need some truth? Jesus Christ didn't say, hey, I know the truth. He said, I am the truth. Pause. Comma. There's another comma. Pause. Somebody needs that this morning. You need some truth. And he is all of it, all of the truth, everything about it. And I am the life. 
I like how those, the, and, is, it doesn't say I am the way, comma, the truth. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So I'm not just way, truth, life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am all of it. Everything you need. I am all of it. And so, well, well I, I'm not dead. I don't need, no, that's not just talking about that death. Every one of us has dead things inside of us. We have things, we have dreams that have died. We have dreams that God has given us to do ministry, some of you, and you've let it die. And he says, I'm the life. And if he can call Lazarus out of a tomb after he's been wrapped up in bandages for four days dead, and his sister even saying, he stinks. Your old dead vision blessing, God, calling whatever God's given you might, have, might stink because it's been dead so long. If he can call Lazarus back to life, he can bring life back into whatever's dead in you. So pause there a moment. Who needs that? Who needs some life this morning? Last week I told you about shepherds that heard from God and Joseph that heard from God and Mary that heard from God. And, you know, and I said uh, that Mary's not the only person to ever hear from God. You've heard from God. Let me reiterate that this morning. They are the most famous, maybe, people in the Bible. They're the most famous ones that have heard from God, but everyone hears from God. Everyone in this room has heard from God, and you've been hearing from God sitting here right now. You're hearing from God. And he's calling to you. you know, and when, and when, he, when you hear from God, you can, you can say yes. I pray that's what you say. Or you can say no. And I pray you never say that to God. You can ignore him. A lot of people have. But if you can't say yes, always, whenever you're in a church service, whenever you're in a place where God is speaking to you, even if you don't understand, let me tell you something you can say besides no or ignore him. You can say, God, I don't understand yet, but I'm listening. If you don't know how to say yes yet, say, God, I'm listening. Just tell him you're listening. If th this morning, you know, we're about to close at the front here in just a couple of minutes. Just tell, if you don't understand yet, where you can't say yes, at least say, I'm listening. Keep speaking to me, Lord. I'm listening. I'm listening. This whole thing started. This whole thing started because of you. And there's a baby in a manger. The nativity scenes all around the world today because of you. People are saying Merry Christmas because of you. Because of God's love for you. This whole thing has happened. He came for you. He didn't come for the world. He came for you. Every individual one of us. Would you stand? Would you come to the front? We like to close with a final prayer, a final song. Come join us if you will. One last little thing. Normally every Christmas, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've noticed it in a lot of my Christmas sermons, at least some point, is that I'll kind of say, now, come a little closer to the manger. And it, normally, normally uh, I come in here sometime during the week, if I can come in and, and pray over the service or something, I'll sit right here, but they got a big wall in my way. I couldn't sit here last night. I was here, and I was sitting over there on the front uh, row there, and, and I was thinking that same thing. Oh, just come a little closer. And I thought, wow, yeah, we've even got a stable wall we can come up close to this morning. You know, so, so let me tell you, come a little closer to the stable.
peer over the stable wall today and look into the manger and remember that you're not looking at a baby you're looking at the answer the answer that was sent for you that's what you're you're looking at the answer close your eyes with me look over go ahead Jamie when you can't mom